0: a real judge in his courtroom everyone has the right to a fair trial but if they're proven wrong he has the right to make them pay all
1: rise here comes the judge another judgment day for joe judge the new york giants newest nfl head football coach welcome to talking giants I'm your co-host, Bobby Skinner, coming to you from Florida with my co-host, Justin Penick. Justin, are you coming to me from New Jersey or from Pennsylvania?
0: I am coming to you from New Jersey, but I think this time next week, no, definitely this time next week, I will be in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania.
1: You scumbag. All right. Mm. The York Giants have signed a head coach, and his name is Joe Judge. Just a wild day of a whirlwind of news, Justin, me and you talked a little bit earlier, but you know the day starts with Matt Rule's going to Carolina, and it's like I cannot believe that the Giants couldn't even get a meeting with this guy. And then it comes out that the Giants are going to interview Jason Garrett for head coach, and then it becomes panic like, oh my gosh, we're going to hire Jason Garrett. And then the one candidate, Justin, that none of us took serious. I didn't do. I did research on every candidate. I did research on Bill Belichick. <laughs> I did research on more on two Patriots coaches, and he wasn't one of them. Yet Joe Judge is named the head coach of the New York Giants, and just a stunning news. And it's—I don't think it's really hit me yet, to be honest, Justin.
0: I was confused. Just it, it was utter confusion to start the day, especially with the developing story that is Matt Rule in Carolina. And all of the things that are attached to him in that contract. And first, it was reported by Ian Rappaport this morning that what attracted him was, you know, there was some sort of uh, computer department and blah, 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 uh, everything that was reported. Computer folk. Computer folks, uh, the computer folks really attracted Matt Rule in Carolina. But then, you know, as the day went on, we're like, oh, shoot, well, this guy's actually getting paid, uh, getting paid a decent amount of money. And so both things that even though uh, yesterday's Talking Giants, uh, I, Bobby, I think you would tend to agree with me, were yesterday's Talking Giants that we released, it is probably the most irrelevant episode in Talking Giants history out of the 117, 116 that we've done. Have, uh, do you, do you just, not agree?
1: It just happened to be your debut, which was great. I I, I love it. That your debut—something we've been teasing for weeks—and it became the most irrelevant thing with the Matt Rule thing because that made us all made everything we said look dumb. And then, then the Jason Garrett thing that made me look dumb. And then uh, Joe Judges hired that like, we both literally just didn't even spend more than like not even exaggerating—we didn't spend more than five seconds on the guy. Uh, so for your debut, just extremely irrelevant. Uh, I hope you at least hey listen now you get your second this is our second day with each other a little more chemistry so it's almost like your your
0: re-debut yeah i mean we did uh we did say yesterday or at least i'm gonna i'm gonna take credit and act like i'm a i'm a smart guy on this one because in terms of we were talking about rule and we said two of the things that might attract matt rule away from the new york football giants is number one money now i'll tell you what I didn't expect the Carolina Panthers to be throwing that much money out of him. You said on yesterday's show how Matt Rule is kind of silly to be leaving Baylor because the the pay cut that he would basically be taking away from that college salary, but really... It, yeah, I said he would have to be taking a pay cut. It's not really much of a pay cut, and especially when you consider they're, they're paying for his buyout. It's an increase. He's making more money now. He is making more money? I mean, you think about it. It's a $10 million buyout. And okay. It's
1: yeah. Pro- it's probably going to be like a seventy million dollar, like when it's all said and done, or I, I don't yes. know, sixty million guaranteed when it's all said and done. But that's so just that's bananas. seventy million over the next seven years, so it's pretty much the same. Bananas. Or no, it's less because it's. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's unbelievable that he got that kind of money, which we can talk about, and I mean when, when we get there. Yeah, but Joe Judge is the head coach of the New York Giants, a special teams coach, uh, a wide receivers coach from 2019. And Justin, I was expecting people to be pissed off, and I think the consensus around Giants land today is that we it's the most wait-and-see candidate out of any candidate ever, because he was a special teams coach. Now, there's some there's some parts of that that me and you will both like, but as far as just looking at Joe Judge individually, there's really not much to go and grab, except for some quotes and, and, and some track record stuff and who he's worked with, but... Like there's not anything you can go I'm like oh Joe Judge does that and that's going to be great.
0: No, really. What what is attractive though is the fact that the Giants fans have wanted a CEO. They've wanted we have wanted a CEO type. I think we we frankly do deserve a leader of men at this point. And Bobby, even though we've made Matt Lombardo an enemy of the state as well on this show, there's a few people that we've made an enemy of the states, and I've uh, outlined a, a few of them. as we Lombardo <laughs> is number one. Lombardo is number one over PFF. But he did have a very, very well-worded tweet today that said, show me a great special teams coach, and I'll show you a great football coach. If you're the Giants right now, that's exactly what you're looking for. But basically, what we're looking at is a wait-and-see process of... What kind of staff can surround Joe Judge, and we will get to that later in the show. But I think you know we'll talk a little bit more about Joe Judge. What is he like as a coach uh, right now?
1: Yeah, and like you said, the CEO of the team. We haven't had that since Coughlin, and I, that was a big complaint. It's like we don't we we don't want a head coach who's calling plays anymore, whether it's offensive defense. I wasn't like super against that, but. I think everyone would rather have just like a head coach of the team because that's more sustainable instead of calling plays forever. I mean, even guys who have called plays, like give it up after four or five years and, and things like that. So having that is nice, like you said, who his coordinators are will be extremely important and we'll go through a list of a, of a few guys that it could possibly be. And the big correlation has been for me that is kind of calming is John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh had almost an identical like route to his head coaching job with the Ravens. I mean, so let's go Let's go through uh, Joe Judge's career first. So he played at Mississippi State, went in as a quarterback and played special teams. Didn't really play. Um, the hot, It's almost impossible to find like any substance of his playing career, except for Ian Rappaport saying that when he covered Mississippi State back in the day, that he got a penalty for throwing a guy off the, over the bench. That, that was the, the highlight of his playing career that we could find, Justin. He was also a backup quarterback. Yeah, and that's not, thats nice to see. A quarterback's mind, a quarterback's mind is always like kind of ahead of any any other position there is. So that's cool, um, and especially a backup quarterback. I mean, we see it all the time with guys who weren't like great QBs who turn out to be good coaches, like Jason Garrett, great Q, great coach, right? No, just kidding. Um,
0: ooh, ooh, but I'm yeah, tough. Just,
1: no, you can't do it. That just a, a look into the show. I said, Justin, we have to tell each other when something that the other person does bother us to have a good show. And so Justin said, "Well, what do you, what am I doing?" And it was the but, um, soundtrack. I, I just don't like it. I, I I'm just not a big fan.
0: That drop will no longer be played. One episode it was played in Tonkin' Giants history, and that is it. Another thing about Joe Judge that I was reading today, in terms of his playing career, and again, not not a lot of information is out, but he was uh, he he held kicks on special teams for field goals. And one of the things that he did, you know, during his playing career, is he would really listen to whatever special teams coaches and position coaches were telling their kickers to do. He was really listening as to what those coaches were telling those players how to kick and how to operate on special teams. So if, if anything, he was getting mental reps of how to be a good quality coach for all those years that he was playing while he was holding kicks. So again, that's a, that's a little bit of a valuable thing to know as well.
1: Yeah, uh, that sets him apart, Justin.
0: <laughs> and so the, we need to rest, provide something of substance
1: <laughs> no that's what we're going i love that little tidbit it's like well when he was the uh the holder for the kicker
0: <laughs> you know when he held kicks he listened intently
1: <laughs> God, they knew they knew he'd be the head coach of the giants one day all right after that uh from at 2008 he was a linebackers coach at birmingham southern then he became a, a ga didn't he be, oh he was a ga um for uh, Mississippi State, be- uh, after he left there from '05 to '07, he's in the linebackers coach, and then he became like the special teams guy, special teams assistant with Alabama from 2009 to 2011. That's when Alabama won his first two national titles with Nick Saban when he, you know, when he first joined. Uh, so there's that, and then from there, uh, you know, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, really good friends. He goes and joins Bill Belichick in the same spot, special teams assistant from 2009 to '11 or sorry, 2012 to 14, and then gets upgraded to the special teams coordinator from 2015 to 2018, and then gets the wide receiver coach tagged on to him for this season. So now you can't be like, oh, look at this. This guy's a champion because it doesn't always work like that. But if you look at between Alabama and New England, he was there for two national championships with Alabama and the last three Super Bowls for the Patriots. So like the second run of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's career, he was a part of that. And special teams, which Bill Belichick takes extremely serious. I mean, that's how Bill got his start with special teams.
0: Yeah. And there are some quotes that have come out. And some of the things that I've taken that I found is in terms of his coaching philosophy, there was a quote that he had, the more you can, the more valuable you are. And if this is something that he brought up in the interview with Gettleman, with Mara, one of the things that I think Gettleman prides himself on as he has been constructing this roster these last few years is he wants guys that, you know, not only. And he wants players that not only are available to play; the best ability is availability. But he also loves guys who are versatile. You see, Dexter Lawrence, how he's versatile. He, you know, he was able to play defensive tackle, defensive end. Obviously, he's an interior defensive lineman uh, in a three-four system. Jabril Peppers, he's a money backer. He's a safety. He can fly all around the field. So you know, you, and you can go down the list of guys that are, you know that are versatile. They can do multiple things that Gettleman has acquired through the years. So really, I think ha- having that kind of philosophy, the more you can, the more valuable you are, and if that's the way that he coaches his players, I think that is something that is extremely valuable to this team and why he is a- an attractive hire.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of wild though. I mean, look, I mean, think about all the candidates. It's just Joe Judge. Like I'm telling you, we just didn't take it serious at all. As soon as the Matt Rule news goes down, it's like, okay, everyone was like everyone was in on on the wink train. And then you think after Wink, it'd be, it'd be enemy. And then, then part of you is going, like, is they going to bring in Josh McDaniels and Jason Garrett? Uh, we can talk about that in a second. But it's just wild that he is the head coach, and there's not much to go off of. And I guess I can go through – like, John Harbaugh, he's the only special teams – like, I went from special teams to head coach. His career, he was a special teams coordinator from the University of Cincinnati, uh, Bearcats. Shout out Kenyon Martin from 89 to 96. Uh, in 97 for the uh, Indiana University, he was the same, plus a DB coach. And then for the Eagles, uh, from 98 to 07, he was an Eagles special teams coordinator and then uh, added DB coach at the end, similarly to uh, Joe Judge adding wide receiver coach. And you know what? He's been a really good NFL coach. He's won a Super Bowl. He's got the Ravens leading the way as far as analytics and and things of that nature. And uh, John Harbaugh's just a great coach that's well-respected all around the NFL, and he's done it with having a o coordinator and having a d coordinator and had different guys in there but he's been that one constant and like that attention to detail that's another thing that's coming out about jojo yep absolutely is players say he has just an attention to detail and that's something that the patriots are so much superior at they really are you hear anybody that's worked within the patriots organization and they say their attention to detail is unmatched and you know what that's a a criticism of Shermer and Betcher is there was very sloppy plays, bad technique. I mean, Nate Solder, bad technique. Corners, bad technique. Wide receivers running into each other in mesh routes. Yep. Like bad attention to detail. Whereas, Joe Judge, from what we see, is he is going to stress that. And damn, uh, it'd be refreshing to get that.
0: No, even going back to his time as a, a grad assistant, he's constantly been around coaches that are successful, and they have sustainable success. At the time, he was a grad assistant. That coach that was there was there for like 30 years. He was there for 30 years, I believe, and it was at Mississippi State. So again, just a guy that's been around proven winners and guys that clearly do value attention to detail.
1: Like I said, we're kind of like reaching for stuff right now, just like little quotes, but I mean, it's kind of that's kind of all we have right now,
0: huh? yeah, it's confusing
1: like it really like he was offered <laughs> supposedly he was offered the Mississippi state head coach job, which he uh he turned down this, for this. oh he's thirty eight years old. We didn't mention that we do know his age. he is thirty eight years old. so he's a young guy
0: um, oh so Bobby so yeah, let me I, ask you I this view- let me ask you this there's a there's a movement in in baseball where you want to hire kind of younger managers that can relate to players now managers are kind of changing in terms of their overall definition and terms of what they actually do in game. That's a concept that's changing in baseball where you want a manager now that's going to relate to players and then you're going to have you know, your analytics department that's going to be making the, primary, the primarily the large decisions of on-a-play actions. Now, obviously, baseball and football are two very different sports. But do you think that idea has any credence here where the Giants want to hire a guy, uh, maybe a younger guy that relates to players that can be more relatable, that is a people person? Because there even is a quote that I found in an ESPN article that does say that football is a people business. Now, obviously, anybody can just say this to say it, but you would like to think that this guy does believe it. So do you think this kind of hire and that kind of idea that this is going to be a guy that's going to relate to players, do you think that has any credence in the National Football League.
1: I think that's always played though. Because it's a very demanding sport. And you have like the hard asses. Like you know Belichick himself. Tom Coughlin. But as sports in the world has changed. It's went more towards like players. Coaches. So yeah having youth and some relatability. But also not too young. Where the guy like doesn't get any respect. And not to move ahead to Matt Rule yet. But my One of my biggest criticisms of Matt Rule. Was that he was super corny. Like really corny. And I did it wasn't just me saying this. Like like that motivational clip. And I I got blowback for saying this, but I sent that around to football people and like give me your honest thoughts on this. And like, am I over? Am I like playing into this? Like everyone's like, no, this is this is pretty corny. Guys don't like this. And I'm like, okay, like th- this makes sense to me. And I don't know how I got on that. How did I even get onto that? I do think I just want to call Matt real corny.
0: Well, no, I think how you got on to this is we talking about relating to players. Yes, that's what we're talking about.
1: So, yeah, it's important. Now, it's not like, it's not going to be like Aaron Boone where he's, he just manages the clubhouse and the GM, Cashman, is talking, doing the lineup and things like that. Now, when you're the CEO type, like a Coughlin, like a Belichick, you have your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator call plays. So it is more managing. But just because those guys are calling plays doesn't mean that, you know, he's not in there making decisions on who's starting and grinding tape like it's, it's totally different from baseball as far as like the on field stuff compared to, you know, the just like, oh, he's relatable. Absolutely. Well, since we're talking about relatability, why don't you play the uh, the Super Bowl media day drop where he's talking about, like, yeah, ask, what was he asked? Like, what, what's a weird, a weird thing he's been asked to do
0: during a during a media day during Super Bowl week? um. Joe Judge was asked, "What was uh, your your weirdest ask to do as a coach?" Um, so I have a clip to play, and I also have some funny uh, information about uh, Judge's Judge's family and possibly uh, some connections that he has there. What is the strangest task that you've been asked to do as a coach?
1: Maybe as a young coach, cutting right, your so team. I'll tell you one right now. So Freddie Kitchens just got the Browns' job. So when I was GA and Freddie was the uh, tight ends and running backs coach at Mississippi State, so it was our bye weekend. And he grabbed me and another grad assistant named jody wright who's now working for the browns for him and he said hey it's the bye week I'm like yeah freddie it's great we're thinking we get a week off this and that and he's like all right we got to put a swing set together for my daughters <laughs> so when we're done here meet me at my house so we're thinking all right bye week it's sunday we'll be out of here you know two in the afternoon we'll get a swing set put together she will be to get we'll be done by five o'clock eating dinner still home nope we don't get out of work till about eight o'clock that night
0: So there you go. So the story kind of goes on and he goes on for almost like over a minute and a half about how Freddie Kitchens himself, uh, they're building and they're constructing a swing set. And then Freddie Kitchens actually leaves Mississippi State shortly after that time. So then they had, so then guess what? Joe Judge (laughs) gets called by another assistant coach. He's like, hey, I want to take Freddie Kitchens swing set. You need to help me move it and make sure it doesn't get damaged to my house so i can use it so then he even went on to describe that you know so really even though joe judge was not available to the media like very often as you know, why would a special teams coordinator, why would a special teams coach, really be readily readily available to the media anyway? But whenever he kind of does have the opportunity to speak in front of the media, definitely not a Belichick, definitely not a guy who's timid, definitely not a guy who's going to give an attitude. But really, he did seem genuine in that story, and that's kind of something that you, know, you, you appreciate because, especially in year two of Pat Shermer, uh, people did not appreciate his uh, his ability to not be genuine. So maybe maybe we'll get a little bit of a, a different vibe from Joe Judge at least to start. And honestly, Justin, I think that's bigger than, like, it seems.
1: A lot of the problems with Belichick disciples in the past, because, you know, that's an argument. Like, Belichick's disciples haven't done well. And it's true, they haven't. But a lot of them have tried to be Belichick. Like, Matt Patricia. He, now, Matt Patricia's gained a little more good grace with Detroit. But he came in, like, acting like Belichick to... Uh, uh, we talk about football, uh, we do, uh, do, 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 uh I'm not going to answer questions. And it pissed Detroit media off. And that's not New York media, that's Detroit media. And they couldn't stand the guy. They thought he was sloppy. He was a slob. Like he didn't like when I listened to an interview with Matt Patricia and I, I like seriously, I like this guy is so unlikable. I would never want to hang out with Matt Patricia. Whereas like being personable kind of matters. I think Pat Trimmer got a little too, um, Point, like I I think he was a little too much criticized for that. Where me, for me, that stuff doesn't bother me at all. And when you're losing nine straight games, it's hard to be super personal, (laughs) you know. Yeah, the point I'm making is I'm glad he's not trying to be like a copycat of Bill Belichick.
0: And also, another uh, strange personal connection and personal uh, tidbit about Joe Judge's life, he has actually an interesting boxing connection with his family where judge's two uncles have a connection to the boxing world uh Jerry Judge uh, an, dude two two J's what i I wonder if every single member is, of his family their initials are two J's cuz this is his grandfather or no so this is his uncle Janoris Jenkins Jenoris Jenkins this is just the, the the alliteration is insane here but Jerry Judge for John J- Jared <laughs> Terry judge fought George Foreman in 1975 and Foreman defeated judge via a technical knockout in the second round. But controversy came when fans started throwing things in the ring. His fight was part of a promotion called Foreman versus the five. And if judge would have knocked Foreman down, he would have collected a nice hefty check of $5,000 and fun fact, carry judge. Which is another uncle, had a brief cameo in Rocky Five, and he was credited as a boxer in the movie. So there you go. That's uh, Those two things, Joe Judge's personal life, that's all so we got. N-
1: Knocked you out. We got to have. He has a. Judge is just an awesome name. Uh, I tell you what, there's one thing that the Giants were going to strike out on, and it was going to be names, uh, good names. I mean, Wink, Martindale, Matt Rule, Joe Judge. Eric sleeping with the enemy. The only one that would have been bad is like Josh McDaniels. I hate Josh McDaniels or Jason Garrett.
0: I do think they got the best name though. Like the best option in terms of long term jokes. Um, Judge Joe Brown. I love Judge Joe Brown. I've never I've never heard of Judge Joe Brown until you sent me him today.
1: Those judge shows are big. They're very like they get they do great ratings. Um, it's 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 daytime television, so it's a lot of old people watching it. But Judge Joe Brown, he don't play no games.
0: All right, we're going to ask one more one more fun and silly question before we move on to other serious things. So Coach Judge is going to be such a fun thing to say. And I think if I had a coach named Coach Judge, all that I would call him, I wouldn't call him just Coach. I would call him Coach Judge intentionally every single time. Very similar to the way that I say, hello, Bobby Skinner, every time I say your name.
1: We need to, but we we need to have someone like with the last name Jury. So we can have Judge, Jury, and then Daniel Jones could be the executioner.
0: Can we sign John Jerry back? Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy. Oh, there we go. Judge Judy. Oh, my gosh.
1: We have to sign Jerry. We have to draft Jerry Judy at four. I'm, I'm all in on the Jerry Judy. Judge Jerry and the executioner, Daniel Jones. This lady didn't pay her parking tickets. And we're gonna beat her ass. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we've got we've gotten off track. Uh, um, so judge is a great name. Do, do you want to talk Matt Rule, Jason Garrett, that kind of stuff before we talk? Uh, coordin like possible coordinators.
0: Yeah, I I do because I really want to talk about th- the bananas that is this salary that Matt Rule got, and then we'll kind of move into Garrett, which I don't really like. How much is there really talk about Garrett? But can we talk about the salary first?
1: Yeah, Matt Rule, seven years,
0: 60 million. Supposedly,
1: and Ian Rappaport reported this, that Matt Rule called the Giants and said, You want to match this? And they were like, "Uh, No, no, we do not want to match this. And supposedly, the Giants were working on Joe Judge last night. So I will say, it's been a little bit of like, we've been kind of misled in this head coaching search from the media. They've done, they did a pretty damn bad job from saying Jason Garrett was a fallback from Rule to um saying like to us thinking that matt rule was just completely like just spurned the the giants and didn't give the giants the time of day um we kind of were led astray on all this like and and the one guy that none of them including ourselves really never but we we're not looking for inside sources had any clue would have a shot at this like they did a
0: pretty bad job <laughs> uh, like we we had no idea what was going on until it happened you yeah, know we we called it a formality, uh, the fact that Joe Judge was interviewed on this show, uh, simply because we kind of knew that Belichick wanted to form him into a head coach maybe one day, but we did really call it a formality. Like, oh, you know, we just brought this guy in to to hear what he has to think, and he's a new guy. They gave him an interview. Good for the Giants. But here, here's a spin zone. Here's a spin zone. So you said that you, cr- you know, the media did a bad job with approaching this head coaching search in terms of, you know, leading the fans to think that some were favorites, some were not, et cetera, et cetera. Here's a spin zone. I've always been critical of the New York Giants that they're so reluctant and it's so easy to pick up rumors from this organization. So the fact that we didn't hear about Joe Judge, but we didn't learn about it last night, nobody leaked it. The fact that it, you know, it came out when it was supposed to come out, I kind of say, you know what, that's a plus. The organization was able to keep this quiet. They were able to keep, you know, hold their cards to their chest, and hopefully that's something that can be continued and not the fact that Giants are going to pick Daniel Jones at six and the Giants are going to pick Saquon Barkley at two, that that doesn't come out 48 hours before the draft starts.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's just, I don't know. But do you, if you remember the last head coaching search, I mean, they kind of were bad on that. Do, do you think that Jason Garrett as a fallback was like a real thing? Or do you think that was someone just making something up because it really couldn't be disproven?
0: I tend to believe that it was actually a true thing because you know it was the latter end of or middle part of the season, 2019 season, that Ian Rappaport came out and said that if Jason Garrett were to be fired, that the Giants would be one of the first teams to be interested in him. Lo and behold, it took Jason Garrett a hot second. So you want to know what? We talked about last episode Bobby about you know we kind of ripped about, ripped apart the Dallas Cowboys for saying what the hell were they doing holding on to Garrett and then only interviewing two guys that were basically carbon copies of Jason Garrett I say thank you thank you to the Dallas Cowboys because if they yes. fired him to start We're probably possibly looking at Jason Garrett being the next head coach of the Giants because maybe they wouldn't have given Joe Judge such a serious consideration, such a serious look, or Jason Garrett would have blown them away to start, and then they would have just decided to pull the trigger then. Because Ian Rappaport did report in his report, say report one more time, Justin, earlier in the season, the fact that the Giants were interested in him if he wasn't going to be extended by the Dallas Cowboys after 2015.
1: yeah. (laughs) Uh, the Jason Garrett news like that had us in all the panic. And I do think that is part of the reason why people aren't mad about Joe judge because we were all like, Oh my gosh, we're going to have Jason Garrett head coach. And then when it wasn't Jason Garrett, it was just a sigh of relief for everybody. Like, do you think the giants are smart enough to have leaked that Jason Garrett news out, which supposedly they asked for the interview on Sunday and then they never asked the interview as a coordinator. Do you think they leaked that out for the sole sake of like, we're going to get these dudes, these fans low and then we're gonna just bring them up a little
0: bit. No, no, I do not. I don't think they're. They're s- not that smart. They're I, I not was smart just, enough to that's do That's what that. I was just about to say. They're but not it, smart but that's to do it. how
1: it went down. That's how it went down, though. Justin, It's like we were so panicked. At least, at least from my point of view, I was so panicked that Jason Garrett was gonna become the head coach of the New York Giants, and I was just like, this whole offseason is gonna be miserable. It's gonna be a miserable. What could
0: season. have? What could have happened is Joe Judge was going to accept this Mississippi State head coaching job. I have a feeling that they wanted to interview Garrett. They wanted to hear what Garrett had to say since they have been interested in him for a few years. If that Ian Rappaport, Ian Rappaport report, geez, that's a tongue twister, is true. They wanted to take a look at him, but they just didn't have the time. I'm, well, I'm glad
1: they didn't have the time then because yeah. I, I definitely didn't want to. So what do you think about Rule? Because like someone came after me and said, oh, you're spin zoning. So I wanted to go for what my case for Rule was and my case against my case for him, my biggest one was always like, listen, he's done a good job rebuilding a program and he's gonna it's a huge risk, but it's a risk I'm being willing to take. But just as far as my bullet points, turned around Temple and Baylor quickly, Baylor was a mess after Brawls. That is I think that's that's the best thing for for Matt Rule. That was awesome that he did that. Um after that, uh we'll be a true head coach, not a coordinator. Well, Joe Judge feels that. 2012 is uh, with Coffin as an assistant line coach. We all made that connection, but like, does that really make him more qualified for the job because he had that? Giant's roster is extremely young. It's still extremely young. Motivator has gotten the best of his guys. We don't know what Joe Judge as far as that. I mean, we got some good quotes um, in there. For me, the case against him was college NFL is a huge risk. And it is, it is Justin. It's a huge risk. We don't know how that's going to translate. Uh, he doesn't call plays, so it's hard to judge what he brings to the NFL. Kind of, that's kind of the same thing with Joe Judge. He doesn't call any plays, so it's hard to tell what he's going to do. Corny motivational speeches don't play with guys making money. That's true. I think Matt Rule is super corny. I know I'm going to get the blowback for it, but it's true. Baylor never beat a ranked opponent to include a 23 choke to OU. For me, it was just like, I'd rather take a risk than hire a safe hire. Obviously, Wink was my number one. Uh, so, do you think it's kind of being like revisionist history, like, oh, we didn't want to give Rule that money? Because I do get the point that there's no salary cap for coaches. So like, why not just overpay? Um, so I don't want to be like, oh, that's that's way too much money. But I think more than just the money, a seven, a six, a seven-year deal, like that gives that guy so much control. And I feel like rules shouldn't be in that position of power. I think he's a, he's, I thought he was a huge risk, which I'm fine with taking a huge risk. But I don't know about giving a a, a guy that kind of risk, that kind of money. It kind of sets like a crazy precedent. I don't know. Uh, am I am I like being revisionist with this?
0: No, because
1: it's approaching Gruden territory, and that was nuts. It, right, the like <laughs> the Gruden contract was nuts. Let's not forget that that was that contract was insane. In fact, is that contract
0: is the reason they couldn't resign Khalil Mack? They basically turned him into like part owner for God's sakes. And let let's look at the Giants situation right now in terms of what would they have to take on financially if they were to you know, match that offer that the Carolina Panthers had for Matt Rule to become their head coach. So Michael Lombardi was on WFAN today uh, with Joe and Evan, and he was talking about basically Rule's salary plus Shermer's salary that is still on the books for the team since Shermer was signed to, I believe, a five-year deal um, as the coach of the Giants, and he, uh, they're going to have to pay him for three more years. That would be around $20 million that they would have to be paying. Plus... You're talking about not the not the ten million dollar buyout, not the six not not the seven million dollar buyout. I believe the number, and this was tweeted out by Adam Schefter, the number was six million dollar buyout from the University of Baylor. So you're talking about somewhere around twenty six to twenty seven million dollars that the Giants would be paying for their head coaching spot this year. I am not exactly the most sympathetic to billionaire uh, owners in terms of you know th- their own money, but Come on. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I I won't, I won't get mad that they didn't match it when they have this situation on their hands, which is partially self-induced obviously because Pat Shermer was fired, but what are you going to do?
1: And it's the thing is he, his demands were kind of like if he was Bill Belichick on the open market, like, like the Panthers, I know people are praising them like, Oh, they're getting young and like, we'll see how it works. Like just because the rave, like, I get that the Ravens are analytical and that's good, but the Ravens also have a great head coach with one Super Bowl. They got Wink Martindale, who's been uh, a, a good coach for them. They have Lamar Jackson, who's been the friggin' MVP. So yes, they may go for it on fourth down a little more and some things like that, but it comes down to coaches calling up good plays and players executing those good plays well. So like, I don't want to be like, Oh, we just got to go all analytics. Like I know you love analytics and I, I like them too, but, like, the Ravens aren't winning because of analytics. Analytics are helping the Ravens win, but they're not winning because of analytics.
0: Well, um, I mean, analytics don't put on pads and play on the football field. Exactly. Um, and, but neither do you, damn it, Justin. No, but basically, teams that are investing in ways to think about the game of football differently are winning. And teams that are not doing it, like the New York football giants, are losing and they're being left behind that you can't convince yeah. me otherwise. And the Carolina Panthers, what they're doing is they're actually they're not being half pregnant like the Giants are. They have torn everything down and they have said we are going to change. The Giants are trying to learn how to change while not tearing everything down. Now this is not me saying that oh I want Gettleman gone it would have been easier for dave gettleman if he were to be fired and i think you you even said that bobby that this whole search and this yeah. whole process would have been much easier if gettleman was gone but the giants are still trying to be half pregnant in this regard of actually embracing a rebuild and they're not teams like the panthers uh they they are whether they made the right decision at that head coaching spot which is the most one of the most important positions that you can have on you know in your actual franchise that's to be determined, especially when you consider the amount of power that a college coach was given. Because really, has there ever been a college coach that has been given this much power? Like, what was I wonder what the power? Justin, structure was how many like.
1: coaches have been given this much power? Forget college coaches. It's Gruden, Gruden and Belichick. We don't know the, his details, but Gruden and Belichick. And seriously, who, who, who in the NFL? Sean Payton doesn't have this much power. No. Like who's another coach GM? Chip Kelly was given a lot of power, but not this much. Uh, and Chip Kelly came in and won, and was given more power after winning his first yeah, year. Yeah, and
0: then he traded for a or no, he didn't trade. Even worse, he signed. Then he
1: traded away all the all his players. He
0: signed Demarco Murray when he runs a spread offense, which that makes a lot of sense. I forgot about that. Shit, what, a ter- <laughs> what a terrible move! Oh my! All right. Anyway.
1: Listen, I would have been. I'm not sitting here saying I wouldn't have been excited about Rule. I would have been, but it's also like a huge risk. So I'm not. I'm not crying about missing out on Rule. I'm not even crying about missing out on Wink because at the end of the day, we we don't know. Like we're not in the meeting rooms. We're not in the interview rooms. So like, there's a lot of this is just like speculation and using what we can, and that's why we don't know much about Joe Judge. It's because whatever qualified him for, we don't really know. Supposedly Bill Belichick had a big hand in this, though, Justin his you know they had a video rap report saying that he just like would take him in weekly and reminded view of bill belichick talking about parcells bringing him him in and grooming him um and bill didn't do that until he did it with patricia uh the year he left but before that bill never did that kind of stuff he never brought in guys to groom him to be a head coach so bill loves this guy and he recommended like crazy and you know he loves the giant's organization so like, I think Bill like believes in Joe Judge and, and wants to see him do well. That had a big role in it, and supposedly Jordan Rain reported that that Joe Judge just knocked it out of the park in the interview.
0: Yeah, and in the interview was kind of something that I wanted to talk about because you would feel a lot worse or somewhat worse if the Giants didn't interview Wink and if they didn't interview Wink Martindale, because you look at him on paper, and he's probably the more enticing hire simply because he had a uh, position as a coach that is of more importance than a special teams coordinator. So you're seeing, you know, what the flashy things that the Ravens are doing and the flashy things specifically that defense is doing without a ton of stars and without a ton of pieces, especially considering the pieces that they've lost throughout the years. Martindale certainly would have been the flashier name and personality, but the fact that, you know, you have to trust the New York football giants as an organization, which is tough to do. I understand that, but you have to trust that Joe judge actually did blow him away in the interview and blow him away in terms of his philosophies. And Hopefully, possibly, this is a good pod- podcasting transition. The people that he can surround himself with in terms of his coordinators and coaching staff.
1: Yeah, definitely. And like you know, we'll we'll take a quick break and, and and get to these coordinators. But yeah, wink. I would have been excited for rule. I've been excited for judge. I'm not excited for. But I'm always. It's just kind of a big. We don't know. So all right, let's take a quick break and we'll talk about some possible coordinators. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, let's talk about some coordinators because that's going to be a key to Joe. I almost said Joe Brady. Joe Judge's success. A little teaser into a guy I'm going to mention. Justin, we're not going to spend a whole time going in depth on these guys. We might do that um, on the next episode or whenever these names start coming out. But who is guy number one for you?
0: Yeah, basically guy number one, and we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. I'm really looking at Jay Gruden as an offensive coordinator. I think that is the name that obviously just does make the most sense for this football team. And it, he's, he, re, I would say he is the hottest name out there for an offensive coordinator. But he really isn't being talked about. Who put Giants Nation on the Jay Gruden? I think uh, you did, Bobby Skinner. Oh, <laughs> all right. Sorry,
1: I had to just take credit for that. Because everyone's saying it, and I'm just like, I was the first one. I said it right after he was fired. I said it, anyways. Sorry, I just want to listen. I don't usually pat myself on the back, but I, I wanted to do it a little bit
0: today. You pat yourself every day on the back when you wake up in the morning because you were right about Daniel Jones.
1: Hell yeah, baby! You you know how to you know how to make me blush. Yes yeah,
0: I do. I do. All I do is give compliments. I'm such a nice person. Wait, I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a drop. I'm the best. I knew it was coming. I knew it.
1: But but you're telling me that I'm the best. So how does this make any sense?
0: Mm, Well, I'm the best because I'm saying that you're the best, which makes me a nice guy.
1: Hey, Justin, who's the best
0: offensive coordinator? Jay Gruden. Um, (laughs) Good transition. He was an offensive coordinator in 2011 to 2013 with the Cincinnati Bengals, and those were the first three years of Andy Dalton's career. And basically what we're looking at is Andy Dalton's ESPN QBR, which highly relies on EPA, which is which is an, an advanced metric. That went up every single year. Those three years, the team finished 9-7, 10-6, 11-5, and you can argue that Andy Dalton took steps up in his progression as a quarterback in his first three years. And then if you go over to his time, As a head coach for the Washington Football Club, you look at 2015, I look at 2015 as a really big year um, for that football team. They did win the NFC East and Kirk Cousins in particular had one of his best seasons. He had his best season ESPN QBR of 71.7, which is really, really good. He had a 69 completion percentage. Nice. So basically why I'm talking about quarterbacks here and the formation of quarterbacks is, you know, because of Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is the most important piece to this franchise. And if we're talking about an offensive coordinator that's coming in, I think what takes precedent over everything is somebody that can work and maximize Daniel Jones. And especially Jay Gruden is attractive. To the Giants because Jay Gruden himself was attracted to Daniel Jones the night of the draft. And he was the top quarterback choice of the Washington Football Club. But of course, the Giants took him at six and the Washington Football Club wound up with trash ass Haskins. Trashkins.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I'm big on the Jay Gruden train. Obviously, you know, I patted myself on the back. I like Jay Gruden a lot. Um, big reason is what he did with Andy Dalton, what he did with Kirk Cousins. And when people were talking about McCarthy, and I I put Jay Gruden as number five on my wish list, technically number six if you include Robert, but he was off the board. And people are like, how could you say Jay Gruden? It's like, look what he's done with QBs, and look what he did in Washington, which his Washington resume isn't impressive, but when you think about the dumpster fire that Washington is and having to go through Cousins and then Alex Smith, and they were going to win the division last year, and then Alex Smith just leg falls off and then being forced to take Haskins, who he didn't want, and he just seemed like out of it at that point this year. When that happened, I, th- I said, like, think about if he had the Packers job when McCarthy did. I'm pretty confident that we would like Jay Gruden a lot more than McCarthy. I'm not even saying he would have not worked out. and He probably wouldn't have got along with Aaron Rodgers at the end because Aaron Rodgers can be kind of a douche. Uh, but I th- I really think Jay Gruden is, like, a really great offensive mind, and I feel like he's proven that, too. So, yeah, Jay Gruden would be at number one. Uh, Justin, this one hit me like a wrecking ball. To quote Miley Cyrus, uh, because we talked about this one a lot with Wink Wink Martindale. supposedly was going to bring in Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator, the LSU passing game coordinator, the thirty-year-old young gun who was you know worked with the Saints, and like oh that that should be awesome because you know Joe Burrow went from sixteen touchdowns to fifty-seven touchdowns, and his completion percentage went from fifty-seven to seventy-seven, like just comp- like uh, utter improvement. Now Joe Burrow's a really good quarterback. And he deserves credit for that. But you can't tell me that Joe Brady, the guy that they were pumping up all preseason for LSU, wasn't a part of that. So, why not? Wink's not going to get the Browns job. I don't think he's even – he's not scheduled to interview there. So, if Joe Brady wants to make that jump, why not go after a guy like Joe Brady? Like, you got a young guy in Joe Judge will have the all-Joe coaching staff. Why not bring in Joe Brady? I know he's young and he's technically not the office coordinator in LSU. but Sean Payton loved him. Yeah. Uh, An LSU, he's completely revamped that offense. I mean, why not Joe Brady, uh, Justin? Just a bunch of average Joes. We, who, we need to think of a defensive coordinator, the name of Joe, or we can legally change their name. So there's some other we'll get into more of the coordinators, but I figure we do those two names. And then on the defensive side, uh, Justin, give give me a, throw me a name.
0: I'm gonna throw you a name that I was very invested in this morning, and then like a intelligent human being an intelligent podcast host i actually did research and i'm having some trepidations
1: so chris richard oh la da you and your stupid research why don't you just give me hot takes
0: i've talked to some it started off with i've talked to some friends of mine who are pretty smart dallas fans um and one in particular really expressed disappointment that that that, that doesn't make what? any sense Oh, oh, the smart, smart, smart Dallas, Dallas fans! fans. Ooh. Bobby, you're telling a bunch of great jokes today, but I can't. <laughs> I know you want to. Uh, no, I, I deleted it because it would have been too tempting if it was there. I deleted it off the soundboard so that "baram uh soundbite is not there. <laughs> but you're telling a bunch of great we, jokes. We have to think of a better right, one. Well, we'll, we have to do a dumb. Maybe dumb I'll record one. you saying that, and that that'll be the that'll be the trap. I'll I'll save that. I'll save that. So yeah, like I said, I've had some trepidations about Chris Richard. I have some smart Dallas friends of mine who they've given me some positive aspects of Chris Richard. They've given me some negative aspects of Chris Richard. So something that really sticks out to me, what's most important uh, and noteworthy to me, is Richard's stubbornness as someone who plays man-on-man coverage too often. Uh, now, this is an interesting twist from James Betcher, who a critique that we've had of him, uh, especially early in the 2019 season, is someone who plays off coverage and zone coverage with guys lining up five plus yards off of the line of scrimmage. So, this is an interesting critique that some people have on Rashard. They relies too much on man coverage, and again, I want to you know mention his stubbornness a little bit more and expand upon that. He has a preference for secondary players with a certain size, lengths, and measurements. He has a defensive back prototype uh, pretty much the things that we we would pay attention to at the combine and then ignore for the rest of the season, but he has this strong disinterest in guys who don't fit that certain mold of having like certain arm length of being a certain height. It's very strange, very very weird. Now you can say, oh, it worked in the Legion of Boom. That's a
1: huge turnoff for me. Too. Yeah,
0: I mean, oh, but you can say as a rebuttal, oh, it worked for the Legion of Boom. Maybe this guy knows what he's talking about. Maybe as a method behind his madness. But however, this year in 2019, Richard basically had um, Jordan Lewis, who was a fan favorite slot corner uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. There was another slot corner, Anthony Brown, who took reps over him constantly throughout the entire season. Anthony Brown was a struggling slot corner. It took a lot of bad football play for Jordan Lewis to be put in. And lo and behold, Lewis had a positive impact, impact when he got into the game. Uh, there's also an interesting quote from Sam Darnold after the embarrassing Cowboys loss that happened during the regular season. Rashard has an over-reliance on utilization of single-high safeties, and here's what Sam Darnold said. They just did what they do. They do it every single week. They just play one high, occasionally two high, and they like to stop the run. I knew that I had to throw the ball today to have some success, and we did that at the time that they played him. So Rashard is enticing. But at the same time, there are things that I've looked into and it's like, oh, this guy could be a little bit dangerous because he's very particular about some things. He's very entrenched in his ways. He's stubborn. Um, but he also has had success in the past, particularly with the Legion of Boom. And you still can't ignore that.
1: Yeah, but it's for him. It relies on really good talent. And I this just reminds me of James Batcher. Like, oh, he was a good defense coordinator in Arizona. It's like, yeah, but he had amazing players and he just copied and pasted what uh, Todd Bowles did when he when Todd Bowles left. So, yeah, when you when you brought up all this stuff to me, I kind of was turned off. I, I hate combine-like stuff. It's definitely useful, but I can't stand, like, the over-analyzation of guys. Like, sometimes guys just ball, and they might not do it with the right technique, but they ball. Speaking of DB, like, our DB coach, it's like, man, we got guys with talent, and you're not playing them over these guys that play, like, robotic for you, but they get burnt like crazy. So I, I can't stand those kind of coaches. So, yeah, Richard, I went and watched some of the Monday Night Football uh, Giants versus Cowboys and, and everything you're saying is true. It's very ho- heavy cover three where basically if you have like a wide receiver who can beat our corners, you just look that safety off to one side and then go to him and he's going to be there all day. I mean, It, it kind of remind me of James Betcher's scheme with Antoine Bethea playing deep. Uh, so, yeah, I, Chris Rashard has been a big name, but, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of being turned off by him as well. Not to say that he can't grow and, and be better. But the guy I'm gonna say is Wade Phillips, 72 years old. I get he's super freaking old, but he's always been a beast. He's been a defensive coordinator for like 12 teams. He's been a head coach like three times. I mean, he's he has a pedigree of being a really good defensive coordinator. The Rams' defense mediocre this year, but I think their issue this year was their offense. And Wade Phillips has been a guy who's proven that he can play with different kinds, like different kinds of personnel. He works. He works with his personnel. If he's got the corners, he's going to blitz like crazy. If he doesn't have the corners, he's not going to. Um, he's, so he's going to do different things. Wade Phillips would be a guy on my list. But, again, uh, Justin, we really haven't looked at any of these guys too in-depth yet. And then the other name that's been thrown out there, and the reason we're saying it is because we just don't want to have record, put this episode out, and then it's like, oh, this guy's hired. Steve Belichick. Uh, maybe that happens. I I, I don't like the cl- trying to be the clone of Bill of Steve Belichick. I wish he'd just get a regular haircut. And be himself because when he is himself, he just seems like a regular dude. But I mean, it's it's definitely an intriguing name.
0: Do we think uh, Freddie Kitchens uh, comes over to the Giants? Because I mean, as as we heard in our in our soundbite that we had earlier, <sighs> they are close.
1: Yeah, possibly, but I just I hope not. I don't. I attend, we talk about attention to detail. Is Freddie Kitchens an attention to detail guy? Like they were horrible this year, and we're basing him off of you know, 11 games of moderate success with Cleveland in 2018. So possibly, I don't think so as an offensive coordinator. Maybe it's a QB coach. I don't know. I, I, I sure would hope not um, without looking into Kitchens a whole lot. Just the way everything will happen in Cleveland, and obviously I just have a bitter taste of Cleveland in my mouth. But, yeah, I I, I don't like Kitchens at all.
0: Baker Mayfield has gone on record to saying that he, uh, he, guy's an idiot.
1: That is true. I thought you were going to like give a real quote from Baker, and I wasn't going to be surprised if like Baker. No,
0: he actually did say that on the sound joke. line. It was a. I mean, uh, it, all right. Yeah, it wasn't but that was record. he
1: was he was joking.
0: Was he, was he though?
1: <laughs> yes, he was joking. Oh, uh, do we have a voicemail? Oh yeah, we uh we do have a voicemail. We do. We said if you call in, we're not going to advertise voicemails. But if you leave a voicemail, we'll play it. So play that damn voicemail. <laughs> This is Glenda Jones, and I need to talk to uh, Marty.
0: Would you ask her to please call me? Thank you.
1: (laughs) Justin, you heard the clicking of the phone. That was from a phone phone. That was Glenda Jones. Now, do we think this is Daniel Jones' grandma, and this is a test to see how nice we'll be to Miss Glenda Jones?
0: 1,000%, it definitely is. Did you cuz you know I'm I'm close friends I with Daniel Jones. So are you. We're both close friends with Daniel Jones in uh interesting ways.
1: We've done some pretty weird research that we're not going to bring I up. I met his on mom. Um, we've discussed That is true.
0: Um have you met his grandmother? <laughs> I Linda? no, she was not in the family tent during the preseason. <laughs>
1: How did she call that number? Where did the, she get that? And and who is this woman named Marty? Uh, we do
0: need to find Marty. Glenda Jones needs to call Marty. I was going to say Marty.
1: I was going to say Marty Brodeer, but Marty Brodeer is a man.
0: Yeah, tough. Um, but uh, the funny thing is, when you call that phone number that is set up for the Talking Giants voicemail, when you call that number, the phone doesn't even ring. What comes up is my voice, and it says, "You have reached." The talking giants voicemail. If you leave a voicemail, there is a chance you can be featured on the show. Without further ado, let's talk giants. So all of so that <laughs> greeting was completely ignored by Glenda Jones, and I'm saying this out of respect, <laughs> out of respect and reverence for Glenda Jones, who is Daniel Jones's grandmother. But she completely ignored she task. completely ignored the fact that this is a talking giants voicemail line. It is not Marty. I clearly said what it was for. So I did say that there's a chance you could be on the show. So congratulations, Glenda Jones. Hey,
1: watch your tone. I, I'm watch sorry. Watch your tone when you're talking about Miss, Miss, Mrs. Glenda I naturally Jones. come that's off our, as sassy. That's our QB's grandmother, and we will show her respect.
0: So that's it. That's the only voicemail. <laughs> Play
1: it again. This is Glenda Jones, and I need to talk to uh, Marty. <laughs> Would you ask her to please call me? Thank you. (laughs) Do you have the phone number? I do. Text it to me. You can edit the phone number out. I'm gonna call it right now. All right, we're calling Glenda Jones. I'm gonna figure out if this is Daniel Jones' grandmother. (laughs) Hopefully, she answers. It's a little late night. It's her bedtime.
0: (laughs) Nine oh nine. Should you say it's Marty?
1: i'm gonna say is
0: is your hello
1: hey it's um is your grandson daniel uh, around this is hello? hi this is jake um we talked earlier i was uh you told me the call about your grandson daniel is, is he around no he's not here honey but you have a grandson named daniel do you have, is this, is this, uh, Daniel, Daniel Jones's grandmother? I don't know. He had not said anything to me. Say it again. He had not said anything to me. But this is, this is, his, this is Daniel's grandmother. I have the right number, correct? Well, where, where is it supposed to be? Is Do you have a grandson named Daniel? Do I have a text, a uh, Bible with Daniel in it? Yeah. No, do you have a grand, a grandson named Daniel? A grandson named Daniel. Oh, I don't remember doing that. I'll look and see. But, no, I'm asking, do you have a grandson oh, named Daniel? Oh,
0: my God. Well, I, I was just about to go sleep
1: whenever your phone rang, and I didn't know where to go. All right, good night. <laughs> good night, Glenda. You have a good night. God bless. Well, can you call me tomorrow? Yeah, I'll call you tomorrow. Please, I would. I wish you would. Okay, bye. Alright, I feel horrible now. Brenda is losing her mind.
0: Should I include any of that?
1: Are we back? she has. <laughs> yeah, yes, you have to include it. We didn't I I didn't say did I say anything no, mean? No, you did not say anything mean. She was glad I called. I'm gonna call her tomorrow and talk to her. Oh my but She is losing her mind. I kind of feel bad oh, about that. I think I, I think I lost seventeen years of my hey, life. Hey, at least she doesn't have one of those Bibles that keeps out the book of Daniel in it. That's good to know.
0: The Book of Mormon. Are you gonna call her tomorrow?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna be friends with her. I'm gonna be, be friends with her. We should. should make she a. Needs, we should make a
0: YouTube I, series uh, talking with Glenda Jones, Daniel Jones's grandma.
1: I don't even want to make it a joke. I want it to. I, I'm gonna make friendship with her, and she's gonna enjoy uh, my presence, and she's gonna put me in her will and give me a million dollars. So shout out Glenda Jones. <laughs>
0: Did we have anything else to talk about? I'm the about? best. Uh, maybe this no holds bad he he took me in the low post in <laughs> what is that well, that's not a voice. Oh, well. Dave Gundelman hired a new coach that, no that's it that's all that I have
1: <laughs> alright so we'll be back probably Friday hopefully they have a press conference in between well, if they don't do a Friday press conference that would piss me off do the press conference yeah, on Thursday anyways we'll probably be back then we
0: need something more of substance um, to talk about <laughs>
1: Yeah, Uh, we're gonna start doing positional reviews, so maybe we'll even start that on Friday if there's no press or anything. All right, we appreciate you guys. Thanks for sticking in. We appreciate you. We'll see you on Friday. Until then, let's go Joe Judge and let's go Big Blue.